Hello, welcome to another episode of Lawyer's Daughter. I'm the Lawyer's Daughter, Kelsey Fries, and you're sitting here with me and my dad, Steve Fries. What's up, Dad? Nothing. I just work for you. <laughs> Am I a good boss? You're a good boss. You think? Except for paying. <laughs> Speaking of, today's episode is sponsored by, oh, oh, not quite. Not yet. We are an aloe family. Um, but aloe is the one brand that I cannot get. I mean, I have done everything but do cartwheels into their headquarters, and they will not write me back on pretty much anything. Some some of their trainers and like a few of their like peripheral people will, and I'll be like, yeah, let's have me in. I would love to work with y'all. It's not no happening. Dice. No dice. I don't know if I'm just like not in good enough shape, which is fair. Maybe they. I think they only work with athletes. Maybe is like their. Well, which Thank. would explain why they wouldn't want to work with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, maybe we should put it on our vision board that you and I have a goal to be on a billboard wearing matching aloe sets. That's a vibe. Yeah. <laughs> that didn't make it on your 2024 it's vision board? Not exactly. Dad, I didn't even, we didn't even talk about what we're going to talk about today. Well, uh, you know. We I, have, I know. Okay. <laughs> That's that's the way it usually works. That I'm the last one to know. Yeah. Well, no, I I thought it would be a fun thing to talk about because I don't know how we have made it this far into the podcast without talking about this this person, and it's someone y'all are actually familiar with because if you've been watching our show and listening to the podcast, that nice little intro music that you hear at the beginning of the podcast is somebody special to us and somebody that has an incredible story and I mean obviously I will it's to your discretion how much we can share but the intro song is by a musician called Mule Man Massey Mark Mule Man Massey and he's a wild guy and he has an incredible story and so when we were starting this podcast and we were trying to figure out what our vibe was going to be he was kind of like one of the first people we reached out to and said could we use one of your songs because it just fits you and I really well. Right. He's a songwriter, a, a blues performer, and a, a very talented guy. Before you get into it, because you have a tendency to jump into the middle of a story, I, w- I want you to take me to day one of meeting Mule Man. I don't know if I can even remember on day one, but it was years and years ago, a couple of decades. Really? And, oh, yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yes. And and he was a young man uh, who had gotten in some trouble uh, over some controlled substances or something, nothing serious, marijuana. But, of course, back then, you know, uh, Mississippi treated marijuana like everyone's treating fentanyl today. Right. You know, o- overreactionary as usual. Probably be better off murdering someone in Mississippi than doing yeah, drugs. It, 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 absolutely. And uh, anyway, I represented him. Uh, he ended up doing some time in Parchman. Parchman, for those of you who don't know it, is uh, the main prison in Mississippi. And years and years and years ago, it was one of the most notorious prisons uh, in the United States. Oh. Uh, yeah, because back then, they would put people on the farm and they called it Parchman Farm. Oh, yeah, the farm. Um, they would raise their own vegetables and, and uh, produce. And uh, 
Uh, every once in a while, uh, they would get, in quotation marks, farmed out to individuals to work for them, which uh, wasn't uh, uh, quite, you know, under the rules of whole. But uh, it happened. And, of course, it, it has progressively gotten better. And, in fact, I spoke to uh, uh, one of the superintendents uh, just this week, and uh, he, along with Mark, uh, Mule Man Massey, are putting back together the uh, Parchman Prison Band. Really? Yeah, which is really great. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> but it gives the inmates something to do, and uh, they get to perform. Uh, in places, and, and it's a great thing. Instantly, I'm transported as you say that. It's so weird you said that, because I was thinking back today about just some of our like hallmark things. And this is this was wildly inappropriate, but <laughs> when I was young, we would watch Oh Brother Where Art Thou. That was y'all should not have let me watch that with you, but you did. And the the music from that and everything, and of course, in No Brother Where Art Thou, they have the, their prison band <laughs> and end up becoming famous. So that's what it made me think of. Right, and and you know, a lot of uh, blues songs. Um, I think it was uh, maybe the Soggy um, Bottom Boys. Soggy was, Bottom, yeah, uh, <laughs> bridges or something. Uh, in in the in that movie, but a lot of those songs came from prison origins. Oh, and they were songs that um, the workers would sing while they were working on the chain gang, and and even going back to the '60s in Motown, uh, there was a song, and and I forget who uh, sang it, whether it was Sam Cooke or one of the other stars, uh, working on the chain gang. Mm. That's the sound of the men working on the chain gang, yeah. and you would hear the clank in the background of the sledgehammer breaking rocks. Mm -hmm. So uh, a lot of our music, uh, besides coming from the Delta, and of course, Parchman's in the Delta, uh, came from um, prison. Yeah, I bet that that music is going to be rich. So, so Mule Man goes to Parchment, and how much time does he end up serving? I, I forgot, but it was a few years. Yeah, and during that time, he that's when he started playing music or learning to play? During that time, and, and he could tell the story, of course, much better than I because he lived it, but uh, that's where he traded to get his first guitar. He did not know how to play music. Mm. He learned how to play music there in the present, and, and he took that skill out when he came home. So do you remember what he traded? I don't, but it, I don't remember if it was money, uh, but if it was, it was a small amount. Right. But I, I think it may have been money, but it was a small amount. Now, Dad, you do have this thing that you do when I'm home or around or we're out somewhere. You're like, you, you give me no warning. We are just straight in, and you're like, hey, come out here and meet. You know, I could be in my swimsuit. I could be running around with my hair in a towel, and you're like, no, come out here and meet, you know, the governor or somebody. Um, but this day, I was home, here home, and Mule Man was out on the front porch with his guitar, and you were out there talking to him, and you had me come out there. <laughs> And I didn't know who he was. I didn't know if he was just a friend of yours, if he was a client, like what was, and you know, usually in most cases it's both. 
Um, and he starts, you know, playing a little bit. And he's one of those, it's like he's creating background music to his own, you know, while he's talking to you. You feel like you're in a movie soundtrack or something. And he starts telling me. And then he was like, well, you know what, Kelsey? And he's like playing. He's like, we're going to make a music video. And he's like, you're going to be my love interest in the music video. And I'm like, <laughs> looking at you, I'm like, I, I'm like, I don't know about all that. But I loved him. I just thought he was so interesting. And just, you know, I, again, I was like another person that is just, you know, out here on our front porch, you just never know who's going to be sitting out there. And, and he was also very, very good friends with your Uncle Jeff. Who, oh, who's I didn't know passed that. away. And uh, was great with Jeff, a great and loyal friend. And uh, he'll he'll come by and, and, and play me uh, some of the songs he's written. What do you think about this? As if I'm a great music, uh, music critic. And uh, just really has some great songs. Yeah, he knows. Well, I mean, he knows you have an appreciation for it. Okay, so we but we have to we have to keep going down the story. So and I don't I don't know how far you can push into it, but so he he gets out, but that's not the end of the story. So what happens? Well, uh, he had um, uh, of course when he got out, he went to work and um, had a tow truck and uh, just a hardworking everyday guy. But of course, with music being his main interest and dream. And he ended up, uh, he had a few more problems, brushes with the law that, that I tried to intercede on his behalf. And uh, he became friends with people. You know, you know, every community has its niche, uh, whether it's sports, you're a great football fan, baseball fan, a literary fan, music fan, and then when you get to music, it breaks off into different genres. And the blues community is huge. And and you and I know from Ground Zero and Clarksdale mm-hmm. and, and uh, famous people come there all the time to listen to blues music, and they have blues festivals. Uh, Mark made friends with some folks in Washington, D.C., and it ended up uh, that the Library of Congress wanted him to come play for them and play some of his original tunes and record it for the Mm. Library of Congress, which he has done on, on more than one occasion. So, you know, he's rubbed elbows from the top to the bottom and is just an interesting uh, and good person and sincere person and great friend. So, uh, Mark, uh, we thank you. <laughs> but wait, you were telling we were what I had asked you was what happened, and you said you you said that he got in with some well, of the wrong people. Well, the, when he was young, yes, yeah. he, he did. But when he got older, I, I don't want to go into okay, those. Okay. Um, um, things but uh, dealt with family and problems pretty much if you want to know i guess you could listen to his music i have a feeling it he doesn't probably keep much close to his chest no, it's no. probably he probably lets it all fly no, you know he's an open book on to that but but some things you know sure no no that's fair i think that's need fair. to remain private for me for him for everybody yeah yeah very interesting person i love his music and mm-hmm. and i meant to say this when we were talking about how his music resonates to us. Something that we used to do 
when I was little, we would get in, we'd get in our Toyota Trundra that we still have right out to the farm and we would have, we, and that's what we did when we started our podcast. We were like, well, what are these songs that we, you and I used to play with all the windows down riding, riding in the country? We would say Grease Lightning. Uh, what were our other the ones? The Race is On by George Jones. <laughs> and un- White Lightning. White Lightning, Uneasy Rider. Uneasy Rider. And, and so Charlie Daniels. Yeah, yeah, so we started writing all that down. We were seeing kind of a pattern develop. And then we were like, wait, this... This actually reminds us a lot of Mule Man's music. Well, well, it does, and and uh, you know songs like Thunder Road, um, uh, from way back, way back in the fifties. But but the music today, um, country music today versus country music when I grew up is so different. Yeah, it's more poppy now, I think. Well, it is more poppy, and except for a very few artists, and there there's some out there that I really like. Um, it it's just different. Yeah, it was it was a lot twangier. It well, of course it was. Twang, uh, of course it was twangier, <laughs> which was great. But yeah. to me, like old country music, I I s- still love. Like I mean, we Tammy Wynette, Stand by Your Man. We would. Stand by your man. And, and mom and, would be like, can y'all not? Right. And, and, you know, Tammy was from Mississippi. Oh, I actually didn't know oh, that. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, it doesn't surprise me. We've and, said it before. A cra- just a crazy and, amount of artists come and, out of Mississippi. And Jeannie C. Riley, uh, Ode to Billy Joe from yeah, Mississippi. Yeah. Uh, Jim Weatherly, who wrote um, uh, Midnight Train to Georgia. Oh, whoa. Uh, uh, from Mississippi. And, he, and Jim uh, just recently passed away. Uh, Jim uh, uh, played quarterback at Ole Miss. Crazy. I know. And it was crazy. I was reading his book recently. I think I got it for Christmas. And I was reading his book. And, of course, I remembered everything he was talking about as far as Ole Miss and right. certain games and uh, I was at uh, a game where he uh, um, did a, uh, a quarterback run, which we would call it a bootleg, and uh, fooled everybody on Mississippi State's team and ran all the way for the touchdown. I remember sitting in the stands and watching that because mm-hmm. it fooled me too. I didn't know where the ball was. And uh, he was uh, a great and talented guy. Mississippi has a bunch yeah. of them. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. tore through that book, actually. You were you were like halfway through by yeah. the day after you got it. And the person who gave you that book, this is a good lead into something else I wanted to talk about. Was Cowboy? It was, and we've mentioned oh, yeah. before. He came over on Christmas Eve and he brought right. you that book. Right. But you, we were talking about Cowboy and his story, and you said, "Remind me to tell you." And you may have even said this on the podcast. But you said, remind me to tell you a story that's a lot like Cowboys, but has a little bit of a twist. So I want to hear that story. <laughs> I can't remember if it was in the mid to late 80s. It probably was. And I'd gotten uh, a call from a fellow who had charges up north. Of course, up north to us is anything past Tennessee. <laughs> Memphis. And uh, we were, uh, it was going to be a federal case, and it was going to be in um, Virginia. I, I'm trying to think. Yes, in Virginia, around the Chesapeake Bay area. And so I get the guy in. He's a local guy uh, from one county over. 
and he'd gotten caught up caught up with i said caught in, caught, <laughs> <laughs> we've been talking which, too much about the blues we're like right, we're about to get caught which up is, uh, apropos and he'd got caught up with these guys who had this huge ship and when i say huge ship you know i'm saying 300 feet long mm -hmm. they had built a false bottom in this ship and to haul marijuana in and it was just a bizarre story as i'm listening to it i'm, I'm saying you know this is crazy what's a false bottom a false bottom is like the hull of the boat okay and uh underneath the, the it would be like your floor in your house underneath your floor you would have a space gotcha to put like something. a little secret door right type. right okay. and this this secret cavern was huge <laughs> And they were hauling tons of marijuana. So they would leave out of the uh, Chesapeake Bay area and go to Columbia to pick up the marijuana. And the deal was, which I'm still confused over to this day, that the Cubans were involved in this too. And the Cubans were supposed to grease the skids, meaning they would make sure that Colombia didn't arrest them. They were in with the Colombian military and paying off people. However, uh, when the boat was uh, got to Colombia, everyone was arrested. Oh. They just came in, swarmed the boat, arrested everybody, and threw them in a Colombian jail. So and this tells me that's not pleasant. No, I, I would think that that would not be a, a place you'd want to be. And... As he was, imagine him staring out the bars of the sale with 20 other people in this small sale, and he's looking out and thinking to himself, what in the hell is a boy from Mississippi doing in a <laughs> Colombian jail, and what in the hell is going to happen to me? No one's going to know to look for you there. While he's having that very thought, he hears somebody say, Hey, where y'all from? And he turns and looks, and it's a guy from the Delta in Mississippi who was a crop duster. He had flown down. He had gotten arrested, too. On the, I mean, you know, planes were coming in there right. and boats coming in there like it was a Carnival cruise line uh, to pick up marijuana back during those days. And it ended up he was a crop duster from um, uh, the Delta, and, of course, they became friends. And the next day, the Cubans came through. And they said, okay, y'all are all released. They probably didn't say y'all, though. No, I, I, don't think, <laughs> I don't think they said, but the interpretation was, was of that. The result was they were released. And um, my guy um, got the um, Colombians and Cubans to allow this other guy who was the crop duster, to go home with them. Mm. So they all board the boat, and everybody's fat and happy, and they're singing sailor songs on the way home. And uh, they get into, and I forget the area they came into, but it was obviously in uh, Virginia because uh, that's where we ended up in court. So they pull into port, well... The feds have been on to them the entire time. 
They pull in, they raid the boat. My guy jumps overboard and escapes <laughs> without his billfold, which is in his cabin. Oh. Um, so long story short, they track him down, they arrest him. Um, bada bing, we're in court in Raleigh, North Carolina. How did he get contact? How did you get brought into this? I know he was when, local, but. When he got arrested. Right. But I mean. Um, well, he called. He knew to call you. Or oh, did yes, someone ref- yes. I just he meant, was, did someone refer yeah, him or yeah, he just yeah, knew he was like, I got to call He was you. one county over. Gotcha. So, so, he, gotcha. so he, he knew what we did for a living. So um, I go up to Raleigh, North Carolina. And uh, we go to court the first day, you know, normally the first time you go there, uh, you meet with prosecutors, uh, you have an arraignment where a person enters a plea, you have a bond hearing if that is necessary, if a bond hadn't been set. So we take care of all that. And um, I'm walking back to the hotel and eyes wide open, never been to Raleigh looking around and one of the things i noticed was number one the traffic on the street wasn't what it should have been Mm. for a town that size and the next thing i kept seeing people on top of buildings and i'm not talking about looking out windows i'm talking Mm -hmm. about on the very top of building and i said well something's going on here i don't i don't know what it is i get to hotel i get into the elevator and just as I get in the elevator, two guys come in. They've got their earpieces in, obviously government men, um, black suits, the whole nine yards. And they say, sir, you're going to have to leave the elevator. And I said, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> On my way. And in comes, as I'm walking out, Geraldine Ferraro is there. Now, Geraldine Ferraro was the first woman ever to run for, I believe, vice president at that time. So we could go back and look at the dates when she ran, and and that would tell when it was. And she said, no, no, it's fine. He can can go up. So I ended up riding up the elevator. And, of course, it was a big deal to me at that time because I knew who she was. And um, we end up getting the case taken care of but it was a wild and uh woolly deal with him because there were so many people involved right a number of defendants planes trains automobiles absolutely boats i'm just dying laughing at the thought of him being overboard and and then like surviving being overboard exactly and escaping yeah escaping in general right like he he, he dives in no billfold Obviously, then no money. Yeah. And uh, works his way back down south. He just floats down, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. grabs a log right. and is like, goes with Wild the River Ride. Yeah. <laughs> Go rides with the current. And, and, and just, uh, it was just, uh, I don't know if I've ever told you about the Little Rock. Have we talked about me going to court in a Little Rock? I don't think so. Um, I don't know if we should save that for another uh, another episode, yeah, episode or not. But another local guy, and uh, another funny story uh, about drugs, and another funny story about judges and prosecutors uh, that it taught me a taught me a good lesson. Well, as we do say, we're like Mississippi people do travel. <laughs> 
<laughs> and you just never know. You never know who you're going to bump into. Who you're going to bump into. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. What, um, this past year, I was in the south of France. And I mean, and, and not necessarily in a super popular area. It was just this very niche hotel I had seen on Instagram. And I really wanted to go and stay there, kind of off the beaten path and out of the way. And I was lay- laying out on these rocks overlooking the water, really beautiful and kind of a bizarre scene because the water is so blue, but in this particular area, it had these red rocks that were coming down and meeting. It kind of felt like you were on the moon or something. And, you know, everyone is speaking French mostly. It's, again, like a small local hotel. And then I hear, do y'all have Coke behind me? <laughs> right. <laughs> unmistakable (laughs) I'm like there's somebody from Mississippi back there but I didn't you know I didn't really want to I didn't want to get into it but then I stood up and I was talking to the one of the guys working at the pool and she heard my accent and she she immediately goes ma'am ma'am she's like excuse me are are you from you're from America right I was like I am very much from America (laughs) and she was like well are you from the south because I heard your accent I said yes ma'am I am and Weirdest coincidence, she ended up being the mother of a law, mother-in-law of a girl I grew up with in Holly Springs. Uh, Just uh, crazy. No, it, it, it's crazy. And and nowadays you can't go anywhere, and you have to be on your toes. And uh, and and I'll give you this warning. Of course, uh, you know places like Las Vegas. You know you still gotta. <laughs> Be on your toes. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, it, the funny thing was, it was the y'all that tipped me off to her. And in your story, it was the y'all that tipped him off to the guy back there. Oh, so, oh yeah. The y'all is a very popular thing. And I've had a lot of people ask me over the years, you know, living in LA for so long, they're like, oh, do you think you'll ever lose your y'all? And I'm like, no, that's one of those things that's just imprinted in you so deeply and that's why it's so powerful because you really you cannot i I wouldn't be able to work for the cia because i y'all would slip out eventually between my russian now there's certain certain colloquialisms (laughs) that remain exactly exactly all right well i'm excited to hear your next story as always leaving us on pins and needles dad (laughs) it's a it's a good one it's a good one it 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 uh um uh, again, it, it has the relationship between judges and family and um, people that are in authority who think they're in authority but don't really realize uh, they're not controlling things. Our favorite type of story. Yes. Should we sing our uh, Mule Man exit song at, right before it plays? It's like... Don't know. <laughs> Wait, how does Listen, it go? Oh, the dude can sing too. He can <laughs> He's the sing. Best. He can sing. Yeah. We love you, Mule Man. All right, guys, that's another episode from us. We'll see you back here next time. Bye.